This is a Dreamcast disc and is for use only on a Dreamcast unit. Playing this disc on a hi-fi or other audio equipment can cause serious damage to its speakers. Dreamcast, up to six billion players. Welcome back to the Why don't we play together? Hey, 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 it's time to make some crazy money. Are you ready? Here we go! Please stop this disc now. Hello and welcome to the Dreamcast Junkyard Dream Pod episode 68. I'm your temporary host, Lewis, and... This is my first time hosting. Um, I can't believe the guys at the junkyard entrusted me with this much responsibility. But here I am feeling a little nervous, but at the same time, I'm extremely excited because today we have a very spooky episode for all of you um, as we'll be discussing Dreamcast horror games. But not just any horror games, these are your favorite horror games. When I say you, I am referring to the 165 people who voted in our poll that we put out on Twitter and Facebook asking, what is your favorite horror slash horror themed Dreamcast game? But before we get into which games were voted for as your favorites, I'm going to introduce the gang I have assembled with me today. Um, we are recording this on the eve of Shenmue 3's release. So spirits are high and some of us, I think probably all of us, have actually got our copies a day early. So I appreciate the guys for uh, putting up with this, we dragged them away from Shenmue 3. I dragged myself away from Shenmue 3. Um, so without further ado, we've got uh, first up um, is Mike. He is a long-time podcast attendee and the absolute champion behind the Dreamcast Junkyards A to Z of Dreamcast Games. Say hello, Mike. Hello, Mike. Uh, and hello, Lewis. <laughs> hello. Good to have you on again. Um Next, we've got Mark, all of my retro gaming heads who frequent the YouTubes, may best know him as the man behind the Maz Gaming YouTube channel and the controversial owner of one specific Dreamcast 2 branded <laughs> Nintendo Switch. Say hello, Mark. Hi, mate. Yeah, yeah. thanks for the intro. Yeah, I got, I got a lot of love for that and a little bit of stick as well. So yeah, yeah. I'll, you know what, I'll take that. That's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, last but certainly not least, we have Andrew Dickinson. Um, he is the writer of the upcoming Dreamcast Year One book that was successfully kickstarted back in April. So congratulations again for that. Uh, he is returning to the podcast after, after previously appearing as a guest on episode 66. So say hello, Andrew. Hello. Thanks for having me again. Good to have you back. Um, so it's tradition around here to go around in a circle, in this case, more of a metaphorical circle as we are, you know, communicating from all over the UK um, and we're going to talk about what we've been up to recently and what games we've been playing whether they're on the Dreamcast general retro systems or even new systems uh, going in the same order as before we'll start with Mike uh, Mike what's been happening in your life what have you been playing and is it Shenmue 3 <laughs> uh, it'll be Shenmue 3 from tomorrow I can tell you that now um, I've actually been replaying Shenmue 1 and 2 um, I, I I completed Shenmue 2 in, I can't think what it was, I think it was like last, last October, um, for the first first time ever. So I've, I'm replaying it, because Shenmue 3 is kind of a little bit earlier than I thought it was going to be, so, um, so I've been playing that. I've also been playing Outer Worlds, um, which was on the Game Pass on the Xbox One, a fantastic game. 
Um, and we played a few Switch games. Luigi's Mansion 3, uh, still playing Witcher 3 on the Switch. Um, a couple of downloadable titles as well, things like Wargroove I'm still playing. And apart from that, it's non-game related, but it is Dreamcast related. Um, I picked up, I've had a bit of a barren spell in terms of buying stuff for Dreamcast. And I picked up a, a Game Classics um, action figure of Beat from Jet Set Radio, uh, which is literally now my, my pride and joy. Uh, it, it looks absolutely wonderful um, on my shelf, which is where most of my games sit most of the time, to be fair. Um, we saw that, uh, we saw the figure actually. It was on yeah. the Dreamcast Junkyard Twitter retweeted it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were very impressed by that. They wanted to know where you got it from. Was it quite a, uh, a rare find for you? I haven't seen one on eBay for quite a while. I think it came out, I think possibly 2017, might have been early 2018, but it, was, it wasn't particularly expensive. I think it was around, around £40 um, when it first came out. Uh, I've seen them on, on a couple of listings going for like £200. I don't think they've sold, to be honest with you. Uh, this, one, this one cost less than £40. It was, a, it was an absolute bargain. Um, Dreamcast figures are a sort of a weird niche that I have in my collection. Um, I've got about, about 60 now of different Dreamcast games figures. I've actually got, I've actually got another Ula La figure coming as well, which I've bought this week. Um, so that's a bit crazy. Uh, but no, it's a really good figure. Really, I haven't opened the box obviously because I'm, you know, I'm not insane. Um, but it's <laughs> it's uh, it's a really good sort of action figure. It has a sort of a Dreamcast aesthetic. It's not sort of overly rounded. It's still a little bit, a little bit sharp and a little bit angular. So it looks it looks really really good. And the box design is just fantastic. Um, so hopefully that that poster has inspired some people to look out for it. And hopefully people won't going to spend a huge amount of money buying it because although it's cool. It's never cool enough to uh, to do that. I also do one one last thing as well. The, the weird sort of circular thing of, of Dreamcast. Uh, I, I bought some American games on eBay last week, um, trying to fill some holes in my Dreamcast collection. Because as, as regular listeners will know, I'm going for a full worldwide set. And I've got about about 100 Dreamcast American games to go. Um, so I've picked up a few games, and it just so happened that the games I bought them from, um, the guy sorry, I bought them from, is someone I, I've I've known for 20, 21 years. Didn't know he was into Dreamcast. Didn't know he was into Sega. Um, used to go to, to uh, punk gigs with him. Actually, his, his, a friend of his actually wrote uh, in the fanzine I used to be in. Um, so just randomly sort of picked this guy. Bizarre sort of thing. He, he messaged me back saying, are you such and such person? I wasn't the person he thought I was. So I then messaged back saying, I'm not. But I think I know who you are anyway. Um, and the post went on, I think it went on RLLM UK, so it got quite popular on that, I think. Um, that was a sort of a weird circular thing. My entire life seems to be revolving around sort of coincidences to do with Dreamcast. Which was <laughs> That's not a, not uh, a bad thing, really. <laughs> and, and then to make the coincidence even worse, when I actually got the, the, the beat figure, um, I noticed that the actual postcode was the exact same as the guy I bought the games from. It was the same, it was the same street, a different address. So... <laughs> It, it really has been a puzzling week for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <but> there you go. <laughs> that, that, that is a story. Uh, and I suppose <laughs> when you are the, uh, the A to Z of Dreamcast Games writer, you will stumble upon many Dreamcast coincidences at least some point. Yeah, I do, so... I do. I do get quite a few people, if I buy games, I do get some people like sort of say, did you do the Dreamcast Junkyard A to Z, which is it's quite cool. Um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's a... a tiny book really to, to go out there but it's good that people are reading it and, and one thing I've always championed is sort of trying to, to get a good Dreamcast library together I know Andrew's book's coming out I'm looking forward to that massively 
we've got another Dreamcast book coming out quite soon. I think there was a, a Dreamcast book released in Spain, which I think someone pointed out as well on, on uh, Twitter. Um, so the, the library is growing, which is fantastic. So uh, just quickly before we move on to uh, Mark, um, Mike, are these American Dreamcast games that you're looking for? Are you getting duplicates if you have them in like the European version? So are you getting every single version of every game or are you just getting the ones that are exclusive to America and not never came out in Europe? So I've... So basically, I, I, I used to have a massive retro games collection of all different types of, of consoles. Um, the space wasn't really there anymore, so I wanted to try and concentrate on one thing because I wasn't playing much, and Dreamcast was my, my, my main thing. So I only buy Dreamcast stuff now. And um, I've got a full PAL set. I've got just three Japanese games to go um, of, the, of the exclusive Japanese games. I've already got all the American exclusives and all the American games that were released in Japan but not in PAL. So this is just literally filling up, filling the, the holes in. Um, they're quite cheap, you know what I mean? You can get most games under a tenner. Um, it's, you know, I suppose it's a little bit superfluous in terms of I've got the PAL version already, but I'm also buying things like the French versions and German versions of games. So um, I think the word to describe me is insane. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are all passionate about the Dreamcast here, so you're in good company, don't worry. Um, <laughs> Right, um, Mark, uh, what have you been up to? What have you been playing, whether it be new, Dreamcast, or old, you know? Yeah, so, so uh, nothing quite as extravagant as that, really. But um, So I same, uh, similar to Mike, I, I went back and uh, got Shenmue, uh, Shenmue 1 and 2. I kind of restarted that a few months ago just to, with, with the uh, anticipation of Shenmue 3 coming up. I've absolutely nowhere near completed uh, 1 and 2. Uh, but that's mainly because, I, I mean, I, bet I probably get an hour a day max. I can really do gaming by the time I get in from work and stuff. So, yeah, it's been uh, – I, I kind of forgot how much of a long old slug it is, but that's not a complaint because, obviously, they're, they're fantastic games. So, yeah, it's just, just a case of getting through them. Um, but, yeah, I'm – going to be jumping straight onto Shenmue 3 pretty much directly after this call um, so look forward to that um, other than that I've managed to pick up a copy of Gauntlet Legends on the Dreamcast which so I, I already had a disc only uh, Gauntlet Legends but that game is unbelievably expensive in the UK I've no idea why it's so expensive because I, 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 I had it as a kid uh, and I thought it was quite common but trying to pick it up in the UK is really really difficult at the moment um yeah so that, that was nice to get a kind of perfectly boxed one that was really really lovely um and in terms of more dreamcast stuff so i was at play expo blackpool a few weeks back um and there was loads of awesome dreamcast stuff there so there wasn't wasn't many consoles to pick up but in terms of like games to play i got everyone on choo choo rocket uh so we have like eight of us just like taking it in turns on choo choo rocket kind of winner stays on kind of thing uh, and that was awesome so yeah like lots of love for the dreamcast with that stuff um what happened to the original copy of gauntlet legends so I don't know. Uh, so I it kind of between moving houses. I, I'm talking years and years and years ago. I, I lost the entire copy, so like game uh, disc and um, and case. And then I managed to pick one up online for about a pound that was disc only, and the disc worked. So I was like, oh, you know, for a pound that's fair enough because normally it's like. 60, 60, 70 quid yeah. that I was seeing for the for the for the full um, for the full set, uh, and then I managed to pick one up for twenty quid recently. So for that price, yeah, 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 you know, I'll do that. I'll ha- happily do that. But yeah, Mike, any, mate, um, just any idea why it's so expensive, mate? Obviously, as as the encyclopedic Dreamcast guy, I think it's just a one of those games which is not that common. I think it's sold particularly well. Right? Yeah, um, I think the American version is also quite expensive as well, if I remember rightly. It's been a yeah. while since I've I've gone for it, but um, I think a lot of trends on eBay. 
especially in the last year, it seems a lot of the American games that are really quite expensive have suddenly become expensive for the PAL versions as well. I think people are sort of checking eBay, but not quite sure how to check eBay properly, so they're sort of checking US listings as well. Uh, um, yeah. I'm not entirely I'm not sure. It's, it's a weird thing with quite a few games. I've noticed things like, um, what I noticed the other day had gone really expensive. Uh, I know Dynamite Cop's been quite expensive for quite a while, but yeah. I actually was looking through my, my Amazon, because most of my Dreamcast PAL games I bought from Amazon back in 2010, I suppose. I actually looked through, um, and I in one month I bought like fifty games. And my total, <laughs> my to- the total cost was sixty-five pounds. Oh wow! Um, yeah. It's 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 quite. It's uh, I'm sort of I suppose I it's I know that the prices have gone up after doing the A to Z. I, I sort of kept track of the prices, but some of the games it seems to be random which games are expensive, which games aren't. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I was probably buying. Um games back then and i can tell you the prices have definitely gone up one of the games two of the games on this list today the horror games uh we'll get to them but yeah they're ones that i remember checking them while a while back and getting them when they were still fairly cheap and now they've kind of skyrocketed so um last but certainly not least is (laughs) andrew so how are you doing andrew what you've been up to what you've been playing um i'm good i mean uh, yeah what i've been up to um i've been uh, and i mention this all the time so i'm on the switch island podcast which i think we talked about last time i was on and basically every time i'm on i mentioned that i've been made redundant because that's what's happened in the last few weeks so currently i'm out of work um which is fine because it means i can concentrate on other things like the book finally getting to grips with that properly um, but it also means i've got more time for gaming which is great um and i've been mostly concentrating on um more modern stuff so i got death stranding um a week or so back when it, when it launched i've managed to play like an hour of it and then my partner got hold of it and now won't stop playing it so i've seen more of it than i probably should have done um he's he's hours and hours and hours into it um loves it i didn't think he would um so i got that and also um i got pokemon shield uh, the other day nice so i've been playing a bit of that um and obviously uh shenmue 3 today um and we were talking about i think um before we started a little bit about the graphics and stuff of um shenmue 3 and uh, i couldn't help but kind of uh, when i i I streamed shenmue 3 today um on youtube and as i was playing i was kind of like marveling at how amazing it looked and i think half that was because i'd come off playing pokemon shield which which is a a nice game but also has its share of flaws so i was kind of like you get people popping in uh, from a distance it's really really obvious popping and then you look at shenmue 3 and it's just like practically flawless in in most ways i mean yeah it still has its issues but um it looks amazing so yeah i mean those are what i've been playing bit of death stranding bit of pokemon shield and um about three and a half four hours of uh, shenmue 3 today that's awesome um it sounds like uh there's a good selection of really great new games coming out right now really Mm. yeah as for myself i recently in manchester attended the doki doki japanese culture festival it's kind of a small festival but i do i made it a habit to go every year um they just have everything from japanese food and anime goods and game stuff and i went there this year and i didn't really get too much it felt a little bit like there wasn't as many stalls as there had been in previous years I did see some virtual on figures and I was going to buy them, but then I forgot about them. And as soon as I got home, I was gutted. I was like, why did I not? But I've always wanted to get virtual on figures because I love the designs of that game. In a way, there's something more unique 
to them about the more than Gundam or another one of those kind of like mech figures. But yeah, yeah so I'm really gutted I missed them. I might check on eBay later. Um, <laughs> now I've reminded myself of this. Also, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, these people, but there is a guy every year who brings along a load of different retro game consoles. It's uh, the Knights of Retro Gaming. Um, you may have heard of him maybe through you know, being around the scene in Manchester. So he brought the Neo Geo CD and the PC Engine, and he brought a lot of other stuff, but those things were like must-plays. I do not own either of them. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, I don't know if any of you guys own either of those consoles, but they're kind of a bit harder to get hold of these days, so I was quite excited to play them. Played Bomberman on the PC Engine 4 player, which is a really Great nice game. experience. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, although... I think controller four didn't work, and we. T- I told the guy as like a fellow retro gamer, I was like, "Look, mate, the A button on your fourth controller doesn't work," and I was kind of worried. He thought that I'd broken it, um, <laughs> but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't me, honest. It was like that when I found it. Um, That's what they all say. <laughs> <laughs> um, as for games, I've been playing. Um, I'll just quickly list some off. Um, I recently played and completed uh, Catherine, which is like an Atlas puzzle game. I played yeah. the original on the PS3. Um, the new version, it's called Catherine Full Body, is like a really great update to it. It made a lot of my issues with the first game go away, and I really enjoyed playing this new version of it. Um, also been playing Code Vein, which is this new Bandai Namco kind of anime Dark Souls uh, me and my friend have been having a lot of fun playing that together. Um, really fun, kind of difficult, but you know, you kind of get past anything if you, you put your heads together and really strategize. So that's a lot of fun. I definitely recommend that. Um, and then the other game I've been playing, other than Shenmue 3, which I received today, is a game that we are going to be discussing today. It's actually the first time I've ever played it. I've had it for a while. But I thought, you know what, there's a no better time than now to recording this podcast to actually play this game so I can actually talk about it properly as opposed to just giving sort of a half, um, you know, speech about it. So when that game comes up, I will just talk about it then. So, right. Um, so, as I explained, the community voted for their favorite horror slash horror themed games on the Dreamcast. So that means anything from a traditional survival horror game to a game that isn't necessarily intended to scare, but still features kind of supernatural or grotesque themes. So um, we're going to get into the results right now. And I'm going to tell you the winner. Um, the guys here already know what it is, but let's all act surprised anyway. <laughs> The winner with 32.3% of the vote is Resident Evil Code Veronica. So shocked. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. I think some people on our Twitter were basically like, yeah, it's Code Veronica. Like, what? Because we put out a little question, like, who do you think got the top spot? And everyone's like, yeah, it's Code Veronica. Um, <laughs> so it's obviously a quite expected. Um, and the Dreamcast is home to a lot of horror games, but it's also home to Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3. But what is it about Resident Evil Code Veronica that makes it really stand out ahead of those games? And in, in this, this, the case of this poll, all Dreamcast horror games. Um, Andrew, I want to just pick on you for a second, because I mm. believe 
Code Veronica might have been the game that made you actually want a Dreamcast originally. Is exactly. that correct? Yes. Yeah. What, what is it about this game that resonated with you and seems to have resonated with everyone else so much? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me personally, it was the fact that it was it was the first fully 3D Resident Evil game. Um, you know, they they utilised the power of the Dreamcast to, you know, do away with the pre-rendered background and, and make it a completely, you know, completely 3D game. Um, which was, I think, what drew a lot of people in was that that newness about it. It's it kind of, um, you know, you had Resident Evil, Resident Evil Two, Resident Evil Three. They all had the pre-rendered backgrounds. So you kind of knew what to expect when you were going in. Um, it was it, in terms of how it looked and and kind of how it played. Whereas kind of bringing it to fully 3D realm there was so many different things they could do with it so yeah for me uh, a huge Resident Evil fan it's what got me into proper gaming um so I, I for me I think we spoke about it I think it when I was on on, on episode 66 so the, that was my reason for buying the Dreamcast originally um and I definitely wasn't disappointed with it it's an absolutely phenomenal game um I think yeah I, th- I think the graphics drew people in because it was it was so different for Resident Evil game um but I think once you actually were on board with it it did a lot of other things differently as well it kind of took a different tack with story um it, it was very different in terms of some of the gameplay mechanics it and it just overall was a really good horror game that knew how to kind of weave a story it knew how to uh, kind of play on your emotions and it knew how to make you jump there were so many jump scares in that game um they're all brilliant um but yeah it's just just a really it deserved to be number one basically it, it is an all-around masterclass in horror gaming i think that is a, a definitely a very passionate uh, review of this game and Mark, you kind of piped up when we mentioned the winner. So, Mark, what is it about this game that you love so much? Do you know what? It's it's kind of sim- similar to what was just said, really. So I, I loved uh, Resident Evil 1 and 2, especially on, on, uh, on PS1. And then kind of just seeing the um, kind of, you know, be, kind of before launch, you know, like in the magazines and things, and he was kind of like, oh, my God, this looks amazing. It's, and, and it was kind of the next generation of of kind of what you wanted from that. So obviously all the graphics had massively improved, like you say, completely just second advantage of the Dreamcast power. Um, and it was like, it was the closest to kind of like Hollywood game, you know, like Hollywood horror that you'd really seen. Cause I mean, the PS1 and that, um, I mean, although it was, you know, there is some very, very scary moments in especially PS, uh, especially uh, Resident Evil 2, where there's some real amazing jump scares, but it's obviously it brings it to life a lot more, you know, when the graphics are a little bit, a little bit better and you can kind of see what's going on a little bit more. Uh, because looking back, if you, if you play Resident Evil 1 now, the graphics are a little bit jarring uh, and it's quite hard to kind of get fully into it. But whereas Cold Veronica kind of still holds up pretty well today, I'd say. Uh, I mean, I, I, I play it probably two or three times a year and complete it. or well, I'll get as close as I can to completing it at least. Um, and it's just one of them games where even even going back now, it just it's, it's still just as good as it was even then. Like, it doesn't really suffer from any of that just because they really had kind of used the power of the, of the Dreamcast. And a lot of the, uh, I think, I'm not sure you might, it was just mentioned there, but a lot of the kind of cinematic kind of sequences and the CGI sequences and things like that, that was such a step up as well uh, and just kind of added to it. So there's a very, very good opening sequence I, I, I remember. Uh, with that one and it just yeah it's just like it was literally just the first two on crack basically you know, like, just like just kind of just kind of turned up to 11 with the with the power of the dreamcast behind it and it was just everything that i think people was was kind of crying out for really. okay um so mike what is your what are your thoughts on code veronica so I, i'm not the biggest resident evil fan in the world um as a fact I, I really don't like resident evil games a huge amount 
But Code Veronica is, you know, you can't, even if you don't like the actual series, you can't deny how good it is as a game. Um, I think it's amazing as well how in this era where everyone sort of moans about people having stretched ratios and, uh, you know, different outputs on their TVs for Dreamcast games and how you must have DCA HDMI for this and that for that. Actually, this is one of the games where the PAL versions still look compatible with VGA. Um, so a game which is sort of doesn't even take use of the great power that the, the Dreamcast had in PAL territories. Um, luckily, the American version is actually pretty cheap to buy in this country anyway, so it's quite a cheap game to buy. Um, and of course, we, we can't forget as well that in Japan they had the they had the um, enhanced version released as well for for Best mm. Evil Biohazard Code Veronica, um, the same that was released later on the PS2. Um, it's a really good game. I, I love horror as a, an actual theme. I'm a massive horror fan. I've never really got into Resident Evil because I was a PC gamer when the first two came out, and sort of the static uh, the static screen approach didn't ever really do it for me. Um, but Code Veronica is just the, the, it's 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 genuinely unnerving um, as a game, which is great. It's got great direction. The the engine looks fantastic, um, and it's just a, a really good solid video game uh just a quick aside mike do you yeah. have the limited edition code veronica dreamcast the kind of crimson red one so there's there's two i believe there's a stars one oh, which okay. is i is it black or blue i think it's black the stars one and the claire the claire redfield one which is red um, i have not got either of them I've, I've not even started trying to get limited edition ones yet because um, <laughs> i'm not made of money but uh, <laughs> it looks fantastic yeah there's a couple of um the, obviously, the limited edition game, I've got that one, so obviously it's, it's not really limited edition at all, it's just a, in a red slipcase with a, a little um, uh, plaque, little metal plaque that comes with it. I've got that one, which is quite cool. Uh, but yeah, the, the console itself, I mean, if anyone does have one, respect, because it's a fantastic uh, console. It does look really nice. Um, I want to ask, really, because um, I think myself, I have played this game very briefly. I've not played it enough to really give it, you know, a good enough review. I thought it was really cool from what I played. Um, but I want to ask um, to you guys who have played it properly, because it sounds like you guys, when you first played it, you were very brought in by how good it looked and how cinematic it was. So what I want to ask now is, you know, with all the, the Resident Evil games, good and bad, that have come since, how does this one still hold up compared to those like how does it still get remembered for being so good hmm. that's a good question it's weirdly it's one of the only resident evil games that hasn't really had a proper remake as such i mean yeah. resident evil 3 as well obviously but you know you've got the, the the resident evil 1 remake now they've got the resident evil 2 remake um the big games have had a remake and this one hasn't and if you want to buy it now um you can get it on psn and, and xbox one but it's it's the very old kind of port to xbox 360 or ps3 that they did kind of shoehorned onto modern consoles so it's it's uh, i i think that one of the reasons it's remembered fondly is because it's remembered as it was to a degree where you're not remembering the the remake of it you're not remembering some of the version of the game anymore you're remembering yeah. the original and it, and it's still it has the same power that it that it had back then i mean i remember coming out of the very first area and like you're in the prison and you come out and the first area you go into is a graveyard and for the first i think it was the first time in the series and i'm not sure they've done it since where you actually had zombies coming out of graves um yeah. out of the ground and it's you know it, it's terrifying and 
um, kind of tripping over them and like you know there's that whole cut scene where she's tripping over and terrified and you know it, it's that that I think it's it's partly to do with the fact that people are remembering is as it was rather than what it's become now and yeah. also the fact that it, it just was it was doing a lot of things different that the series hadn't done before and I don't think that they've done them since uh, Resident Evil has abandoned everything that the original games were and Code Veronica was almost like the the original you know the original trilogy as it were but as uh, as, as Mark had kind of hyped up to 11 um, and games since then have com- taken a completely different tack um, and so I think people remember Code Veronica fondly because it was the best of the original games in a proper 3D format. Yeah. Um, from, from what I remember, I think it, it was it supposed to be Resident Evil 3, but then they just released the other one instead because um, they, they had so many going on in development. From what I remember, I feel like I heard that somewhere. Sounds it sounds about right. I couldn't I couldn't say for sure, but that does sound does sound right. Yeah. Um, uh, any do you guys have any more to add? to that question or just anything about uh, Code Veronica in general, really? Well, I was just going to say, just kind of adding on to what was said, then I think because the um, Dreamcast user base was obviously a lot smaller than, than the PS1, for example, you know, there's a lot of people who have, haven't haven't really played this one. So I, I've got friends who are quite big into gaming who probably wouldn't even really know what Code Veronica was just because they weren't particularly into Dreamcast at the time. And like you say, it's not really had the same legacy um in terms of like you know like remakes and kind of you know successive ports and things like that so it's a bit of a shame really because i mean it is it's genuinely a fantastic game I mean, i'd love to see um you know a full-on a full-on port to modern consoles but then again i'm sure there's other ones that probably might kind of have their hands hand up first for that kind of thing but yeah it's, it's honestly i think people pe- people have really missed out on that unfortunately uh well capcom if you're listening uh, to be honest <laughs> they I think are, if- they are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if they did re-release it i think probably we would suddenly learn of i mean we already can see from this the votes that a lot of people really like it but i think a re-release would really kind of bring it into the forefront of modern gaming really i think people would really pick this up and embrace it like you guys all did when you first played it so yeah code veronica well deserved so, are we okay to move to number two? Let's do number two. Let's do right. it. <laughs> number two. Okay, so with 13.4% of the vote, so we're getting much lower now. Uh, Ill Bleed. Oh, so, yes. <laughs> so we're getting some uh, positive sounds from Mike there. So, thing is, unlike Code Veronica, Ill Bleed is kind of more misunderstood, I'd say. Insane. Insane yes. is the word you're looking for. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, so this is the game that I mentioned I've been playing recently, um, you know, in, in anticipation for the podcast. I've had it for a while. Tom Charnock actually sold me his copy. Um, and my review of it is that it is essentially a survival horror version of Minesweeper. Can anyone agree? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, you're not far like, off. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this was a released in Japan and America, but we didn't get it here in Europe. So, I mean, Mike, you've obviously played it. Um, what about you, Mark and Andrew? Have you played this one? Uh, so I haven't. No, it's it's one that I you know that I I very much know of, and I've seen a lot of videos on. And obviously, I I, I kind of go deep into Dreamcast research just generally, just because that's I'm just one of those people. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I've I've pretty much probably seen a full playthrough, but I've never actually had the opportunity to play it myself. And what about you, Andrew? 
No, very similar. I've not I've not played it. It's one of those that I saw at the time in magazines and I was like, oh, I hope that comes to, to Europe. And of course, it was never to be. Um, and it kind of dropped off my radar after that. So I haven't really looked at it since. But I do remember I do remember it looking extremely bizarre in the magazines at the time and uh, and definitely wanting to, to try it out, but just never have had the opportunity to. It is insane, as Mike said. Um, basically, the plot focuses around um, the daughter of this maniac who makes these horror attractions. And, you know, you see this, like, introduction where this backstory, like, he tested these horror attractions on his daughter. It's always quite, it's quite dark, but the way it's presented is just super ridiculous and campy. yeah. yeah. And all these different attractions that he would make end up being in this big theme park called Illbleed. And so her friends go to this theme park to win some prize money. She doesn't want to go because she's like, no, I don't want anything to do with that, you know, because of my past. And yeah, so she goes then to the theme park after her friends don't turn up for ages and she has to go through all of these different attractions that are based on these kind of different fictional horror B movies. Like the first one's called something like Home Run of Terror or something like this. Home Run of Death or something. So it is a big tribute to those old NAF B movies. And why I kind of say it's like Minesweeper is that the gameplay revolves around going through these attractions in a third person view and you basically have to locate where a trap might be that's going to shock you and you have to mark it. And if you successfully mark it, you get adrenaline back. But the thing that makes it quite complicated and quite polarizing, I think, is that you have to micromanage four different stats. You've got adrenaline, bleeding, heart rate and health. And if one is like too low or too high in the case of some of them, you end up being in a bit of a predicament. So, yeah, it can be a little bit of a weird game to kind of get your head around at first. But I think now I've finally sort of got to grips of how it all works. I'm really enjoying it. So, Mike, do you want to give me some comments on this one? I think just trying to describe Illbleed and not trying to come across as like an insane person is, is difficult because it's um, <laughs> it's if you love B-movies, which I do, and you love old-school horror uh, like I do, it's it's just and you like Shenmue, and I'm going to describe why in a minute. Um, <laughs> it's a perfect game because it's it's um, it's just insane. There is so many nods to classic horror films. There's so much love for B movie films, but through a Japanese lens. So it's that's slightly um, from a different culture looking at American horror films, um, and it's just really don't don't come into expecting sort of like Japanese horror, which would be would make this game I think literally terrifying. Um, it's it's very much American B movie slasher films, um, and it's just it's it's very it's not the easiest game in the world to control. I think it's fair to say, it's it's got some problems, which is why compared to Shenmue Four, there are obvious flaws in the game, but the the utter surrealness of everything and there's just the complete um, the complete I don't know what I'm looking for. It's it's almost like it's written by someone who is just a love letter to horror films, a love letter to horror, the genre. Um, it's for me, the best horror game on the Dreamcast, not because it's the best game, because it's certainly not the best game, but it's um, just fantastic for people who love horror um, and is just weird. 
that is pretty much ill bleed in a nutshell um yeah it like the even the the voice acting in it is pretty bad but in kind of like a really lovable way do you know what i mean like the kind of way shenmue is um Yeah, um, the gameplay, like I say, is certainly unique. I found it to be slightly frustrating in places. Like, so basically, you have to scan the room, you have to point, pick out the trap, yeah. And I, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll mark it, and then I'll sort of walk forward, and then like something on my left, which I didn't notice or I didn't point out before, you know, will catch me out. And I think maybe that's just kind of because I'm a bit of a newbie at this game. But um, you know, as I got more into it, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, it's just completely bonkers really and i it's weird it's just weird like you come into the game and you're there and it doesn't really kind of explain what anything is there's kind of a tutorial that's a bit vague definitely like maybe look at a a guide or something if you're going to play it but it's one of the more unique experiences that the dreamcast has to offer there are Um, some really good guides out there as well there's a really good guide for the japanese version which I, i don't think there's any difference between japanese version and american version I played the Japanese version, and um, they it's got a fantastic guide out there. I also will mention as well, it's the only game that had a, a release in Taiwan uh, oh, yeah. for Dreamcast. So there's actually a, there's a, a cardboard uh, boxed version, an official version as well. The only, uh, uh, I say the only version in, in Taiwan, obviously, I'm guessing that they had lots of other games released there as well, but it's the only game which had a specific boxed version that I know of. So a little boxed um, version with uh, a calendar inside it as well which is a cool little thing if anyone finds it. Well, I just want to, before we move on to number three, I just want to mention, um, I read a Gamer Sutra, Gama Sutra, Gamer Sutra probably, article um, a little while back, even before I played this game, because I always had an interest in getting it, and Tom obviously was nice enough to sell me his copy. So this article is about uh, the guy behind Illbleed and Blue Stinger, yeah, uh, Shinya Nishigaki, and I don't know. It, I feel like Illbleed and Blue Stinger are one of those games where the kind of the man behind it is quite important. So, like Shenmue, for example. Yeah, you know, Yu Suzuki is obviously synonymous with Shenmue. And in this article, you learn a lot about Shinya Nishigaki and about Illbleed, and it's quite a sad article because. He kind of really had this big vision for games even after Illbleed, but unfortunately, like because Illbleed sold so badly, you know, it was released at the tail end of the Dreamcast's life in, in North America. It was never released in Europe. No one really got it at the time, and yeah, it kind of just came out. wasn't really appreciated. Didn't sell very well. Definitely compared to Blue Stinger. Nice. Yeah, and his his company kind of. St- you know, close its doors. And that was really the last of him uh, really releasing games. And unfortunately, sorry to bring this on a sort of more somber note here, he did pass away in 2004 at the age of 42. So w- when you play Illbleed, you know, when you really need to appreciate Shinya Nishigaki and the vision he had for this ridiculous game. So let's all give a hand to him. So, um, so if you haven't seen that article, definitely check it out because I probably made it sound really depressing and sad, but um, it is a really great article. It's a great interview with him. You learn a lot about um, him and the games he developed. So yes, moving on, we have D2. So this is another game that never was released in Europe. It was an American and Japanese release, and that got 10.4% 
Um, and another game that I believe polarizes people, just like Ill Bleed, if not maybe more so, probably because it was a little bit more picked up compared to Ill Bleed, a lot more people probably got this. And I think it's personally a well-deserved entry on this list. And in a way, it's probably more than a horror game for me. I, I, it's probably one of my favorite games on the Dreamcast. I'll probably get into why in a bit. So guys, who's played D2? Mike? I, yes. You have played it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. It's a great game. Um, I'm a big fan of D on the Saturn. Um, one of my favorite Saturn games. A bit of a weird game, but uh, it's a very similar story actually in terms of the creator to to Illbleed, isn't it? Because yeah, um, yeah. So it's a bit of a sad story again, but um, yeah, fantastic game. It's again, it's it's got that Shenmue effect. I like to say the Shenmue effect, where the game has got obvious flaws, but we love it because it's just really weird. It's it's really cool, uh, really good actor. I, I, for some reason, I found the act, the voice, or the the actual script and the actual storytelling in D two to be actually quite cool. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. It's mm. Sort of weird. A lot of games have a really poor. In fact, the first two games we've we've spoke to have the first two games we've spoken about haven't had the greatest storylines. But this is a really really good uh, storyline. It's just it tries to mix lots of genres and it, it doesn't really work for me overall. But actually, it's just a lot of fun. Okay. Um, so, Mark, have you played D two? So again, uh, unfortunately, no. So I've I've never had an American Dreamcast, um, but again, it's one of them games that I know. I mean, I've seen I've seen people play. I've got friends who who've played it, and I've, I've kind of I've, I've seen them play it without without ever really having the chance myself. But uh, you know, I mean, from what I've seen, it certainly looks impressive. Obviously, I wish I could contribute a bit more to this one, but um, yeah, it's one of them that I, you know, it's kind of always been on my list of games that I would love to love to fully get my hands on and really explore. But yeah, it's, it's just kind of uh, I've I've not really had the chance so far. All right, well, one day when we meet up for that, that beer, Mark, I will lend you my copy. There it's happening, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so like, the, the, the only weird little thing I know about it, because um, I was, I've recently got a 3DO, so I've been going deep into 3DO stuff, and, yes. um, and the successor is that it was supposed to be a launch title for... The success to the uh, sorry the successor to the 3DO, which obviously never yeah. never kind of saw yeah. the light of day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's quite an interesting piece of kind of gaming history that you know that that kind of was what they they were going to kind of put their flag on really, or you know certainly one of the games they were going to put their flag on to. I think it was quite a lot different, wasn't it? I think the uh, the shots from what they released, uh, I think I think they think they did release some shots of the game yeah, on, yeah. on the on the M2, but I think I think it was I think it's quite a lot different. I think they completely reworked it for the Dreamcast. So yeah, it'll yeah. be really interesting to see what would have happened. So I, I'm a big 3DO fan myself as well, and. I think that would have been that console is one of our biggest lost opportunities in the nineties. I think it would have been a fantastic console. Yeah, agreed, mate. Absolutely. I think the original was supposed to be like Laura, who's the main character of D two. Her son, who's unborn, becomes the main character, and he's like in a castle and he has a sword, and that was all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're talking about some pretty interesting minds with some of these games today. Um, Kenji Eno is the man behind D2. Um, Andrew, have you played D2? I have, and I really don't know where to start with it because it's <laughs> such—it's one of those games that it's just there's so much to talk about because, um, like Mike said, it's it's kind of a mixture of genres, and because it's a mixture of genres, there's just so many different elements that you could talk about. And not only that, you've got the story, you've got the, um, you know, the fact that it's uh, Kenji Eno and the fact that you know he unfortunately died. It was his last big game, and the whole, uh, you know, the fact it was kind of the last of was it Enemy Zero D and D2 were kind of almost yeah. part of the same uh, universe as it were that used the same digital actress in inverted commas that Kenjino was really um, up on so the, the character Laura it was the same actress um, digital actress that was in the other games um, 
yeah, it's, it, it's just it's just an absolutely crazy game. I think it was one of the only games that I ever imported back in the day for the Dreamcast. And it, I imported it because I'd just seen so much about it that it was so weird and bizarre and, you know, horrific. And there was the whole controversy with the censorship between the Japanese and the American versions where they cut, cut out a lot of the tentacle stuff for the American yeah. audience. Um, <laughs> some pretty grotesque stuff as well as I, yeah. as I recall at the time, yeah. um, which was fair um but yeah it's just there's not i don't think i've ever played a game like it and there's not been one since that i've ever played because you know it's it's a japanese game set in the canadian wilderness with an american main character um it 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 tries to be kind of has a, a slight american sensibility to it in some regards but then it kind of goes way overboard with japanese stuff like the tentacle stuff the alien stuff the mutants whatever you want to call them whatever they are um, aliens i'm pretty sure um and then you've got the see I'm, I'm i feel like i'm rambling but but it's because it's such a, you know like it'll be by the sounds of it it's just so bloody crazy yeah. it's difficult to you've got like the mechanic for um hunting and 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 um <laughs> killing enemies you've got then you've got to have to barbecue things that you kill then you've got the outdoor exploration which is like a regular third person kind of running around exploration then you go indoors and it's first person ex- exploration and you've got like kind of rpg around. random battles as well which are thir- yeah. first person shooter segments yes. yeah. <laughs> um, so you have to like press the triggers to like turn around and stuff like you can't turn you have to like press something to yeah. turn yeah they come like, behind you, you and pre- everything yeah, exactly. Mm. You, you're hitting the nail on the head there, Andrew. That's a very good description, actually. But to maybe to someone who's not played it, they might just think, what the hell are they talking about? You know, because mm. it is that ridiculous. But in a way, I think, you know, there's a lot of games that have tried to be a lot of things. You know, maybe, in, for example, music, it might be a band that tries to mix too many genres and they just don't do it correctly. But I feel like with D2, it's pretty harmless as far as its attempt to mix things. I feel I've definitely played worse as far yeah. as... Mm. It, it, it is fairly successful in what it does, I think. I'd say... Yeah, I, yeah and <laughs> it's quite funny that... I can't remember who it was who mentioned Shenmue, or maybe none of you did. Maybe it was Illbleed who mentioned Shenmue. Anyway, it was quite funny because um, Games Master said on Twitter recently put up this screen grab of a Game Master issue that reviewed D2, and they said... D2's potential full-on brilliance is tempered by its shortage of gameplay, its Ooh. linearity, and its overt lack of humour. Get Shenmue instead. <laughs> and, uh, one of the t- our followers has said, what a stupid comparison. D2's gameplay is great compared to other horror games. And I've, I've got to agree with that guy. I think he's spot on. I think yeah. there's just something quite unique about this. Um, mm. I like how varied and immersive it is. I love the exploration. I mean, I think that was one of the things that Games Master article had a gripe about. It's like, oh, you're trekking around for ages and it's just really slow. I personally really liked walking around. It felt really immersive. You know, you go inside and it feels kind of like almost like you're out of the cold. Like it has this kind of very cozy feeling to it. Like when you go inside a cabin Mm -hmm. and the, the music and the sound design is amazing in that regard for immerse for immersion i'm going to say that word a lot um yeah i know a lot of people don't really like the sort the cut scenes drag on a lot i personally have no gripes with it i think like slow bits like maybe like when laura picks up an item it will play this whole little scene where she'll pick it up and look at it 
you know, mm. just stuff like that kind of slows the gameplay down, I think. But if you're okay and you're kind of patient with that style of game, you know, you're going to have a good time. If you like Shenmue, you're probably yeah. going to like D2. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair to say. And it's it's it, the the, the story is pretty enthralling as well. That kind of pulls the whole thing together. You want to see what happens at the end. Like I, th- there were times where I was really struggling with the gameplay. Like it, you know, as much as I can appreciate it now, I think at the time I struggled with it a little bit. But the story pulled me through, and I was like, I have to get through it to to see what happens at the end because it's just so weird and bizarre. I need to know what happens, and I, and I did, and I was really pleased. That I stuck with it. Um, but one game that I don't know if anybody's played this one game that gives me those vibes, but maybe without the weirdness to it, is a game called The Long Dark, which is on PCs and consoles. I don't know if anybody. Yeah, I played that. that. Mm, brilliant game. Great game. Um, and it gives it's, it's the exploration that it has to it, and the fact you feel like you, you're out in the you know you're out in the Canadian wilderness in that as well, um, and you, you know you're out in the cold, and you have to what you were saying, Lewis, about then coming into indoor locations and feeling a bit safer and a bit more cozy. Mm. It just all it just reminded me of that so if you want to play something similar it's not the same it's not really a horror game it's more like a survival game mm. but if you want to play something with kind of the slight spirit of d2 to it then the long dark is probably where to go but d2 i don't think has ever had there's never been anything like it since and i think that's because unfortunately as you mentioned kenji you know uh, died um quite young and i don't think he's been ever able to you know, there's nobody else who could match what his weird, bizarre vision <laughs> yeah. for games. So, yeah. Um, yeah what we say on, as well is that Enemy Zero on Saturn was a fantastic game as well. I really liked Enemy Zero on Saturn. Again, a, a game which is sort of um, quite polarizing, and it's not necessarily the best made game in the world, but um, the, his vision was, was really good. I think it, it's the, the, all those games are really interesting games if you mm. if you want to sort of explore the sort of slightly weirder and slightly more uh, off-center sign of style of gaming of the yeah. late 90s. It's really interesting. One of yeah. the things I found really interesting about this game is you can really tell when it when it was made because there's all these references to the late 90s. Like you know, there's this whole encyclopedia in the start menu about cloning and Dolly the sheep and all these like different <laughs> things. And I, I actually sat there and I read all of these little archives, these glossaries of like different things. And like it, you could tell that Kenji Ino was really trying to make some really mega, intricate like you know Kojima kind of story with this. Like he was really mm. trying to say something. Not quite sure what he was trying to say really, but no. I like the story nonetheless. Yeah. Um, last thing about D two from me is I don't know what you guys thought about how the protagonist was silent. Like, what did you think of that as a concept for her to just not say anything mm. at all? it's something that you see a lot these days especially in open world games yeah. um people they just have a completely silent protagonist uh as well it's, it's less so these days i suppose but it has been a, a, a big factor in d2 i think it works exceptionally well because you've already got this massive feeling of isolation um you're yeah. in this you know out in the wilderness basically um and having a character that that can't put a voice to that it means that you're having to put the voice to that you're having to think oh crap this is really isolating you know you don't have that person saying well this is weird this is bizarre or oh, i feel really alone and isolated you're having to feel that yourself yeah. um so i think it was quite inspired to have her have no voice at all um yeah that's what i think about i it. think i agree i think looking at um, I'm using a modern example the fallout games the fallout 4 was a great game but the fact you were voiced 
always mm. made me feel a little bit less immersed in the game. Mm. Fallout 3 yeah. in New Vegas, you were sort of just in the game. Um, and I, I think it's sometimes... Uh, it's great to have full voice acting in games, but it, for me, occasionally it will kill... Someone like Shemu didn't. Shemu didn't kill a game for me because I think you were living a character. I know you are living a character, you are living Lord's life in D2, but it's slightly different in terms of the fact mm-hmm. that it's... it's you want that isolation, as Andrew said. It's and it's, it works quite well. I think one of the weird, kind of interesting things that they did with the silent protagonist in D two is, unlike another game, they maybe just be a silent protagonist. They never say anything, and that's that. That's you know, so you can put your own kind of feelings on the character. You know, they're kind of like a, an avatar for yourself. Yeah. But in D two, there's one bit, and I'm not going to kind of spoil what happens, but there's one bit where She's been Laura's been silent the entire game, but something really dreadful happens, and she just screams her lungs out. Yeah. And I felt that she has not spoken the entire game, and we finally saw how much she's reacted to something, and that was like a really memorable moment about D two. There's a lot of memorable moments, but I just remember that always sticks with me. I was like, you know, that's really cool how they kind of subverted expectations. You know, oh, it's just the silent protagonist, and then suddenly we actually see her show this kind of level of emotion. I thought it was really good. Okay, so um, any more to add about D2? I feel like we've we've discussed it quite a lot here. Yeah, I think we have, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a lot to say about it. <laughs> yeah, get D2 if you haven't already. Yes, but definitely do. Kind of like going back to before, we're mentioning games going up in price. I feel like Ill Bleed and D2 are kind of those games that are getting a little bit hefty in the price range. Mm-hmm. So get them while you can. <laughs> so I've kind of linked these next two together because they're basically the same game, oh, but we're going to have a big debate about which one we prefer. And so four and five, we have House of the Dead 2 with 7.9%, and then number yep. five, Typing of the Dead, 6.7%. So it seems like there was a little bit of a tussle to which of these was the better House of the Dead game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, everyone knows House of the Dead 2. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like one of the most famous arcade light gun games, you yep. know. <laughs> so, guys, yes. I'm sure we've all played it, whether it be in the arcade or the, the dream, on the Dreamcast. Yeah. Which is better, House of the Dead 2 or Typing of the Dead? Typing of the Dead. It's the greatest video game ever made. I, I will, I will, I will stick my. Apart from Micro Machines 2, uh, going off topic, but um, <laughs> it is the greatest game ever made. It's uh, I, I played it on a PC back in, in like when it came out. There was a PC version. There was a demo on one of the uh, PC gamer discs. I loved it then. Um, I love it now. I've played it at about every sort of convention I've ever gone to. Someone's always had Typing of the Dead going, and I've always played it. It is a fantastic game. Um, just, It's just so... Um, it's such an obviously weird concept that works so brilliantly. Um, it takes the entire plot of House of the Dead 2, and it just sticks it into a game as a typing tutor, and it works better than anyone should ever uh, think it did. It's just fantastic. It, it's It's... Maybe it's because I'm better at typing than I am at shooting guns. Maybe I don't know. It's fantastic. It's it's so joyous as a game. You, know, you get these games on Dreamcast, especially where we've got quite a few games with weird controllers. You know, the fishing rod controllers. We've got uh, you know, the train controller. Um, really weird games that are just elevated because of the fact they got controllers. And the same with typing the dead. It's just it's just joyous to play. I've never met anyone who, if I show my Dreamcast stuff. 
if they see Tycoon of the Dead, they don't immediately want to play it and then immediately love it. Um, fantastic game. Yeah, I personally prefer Typing of the Dead. Same as Mike, um, I prefer uh, the keyboard. I'm a better typist than I am a, uh, a shooter, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty crap with light gun games as much as I do really like them. It's sadly a uh, one of those uh, things that has died with the move to HD TVs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. It's a great way of learning to touch type, and yeah. it's the best game where you can kill a zombie by typing Smeghead. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There are some weird, weird things that it makes you type out. You're just there like half the time wondering why it's asking you to type <laughs> some of these phrases. Um, Mark, Typing of the Dead, have you had a chance to play this? I have actually, yeah. So uh, I had this on a dodgy copy um, that worked on my on my Dreamcast a long, long, long time ago. Uh, and so, but, so I love both games. I really do. I think I just slightly prefer House of the Dead 2 only because uh, my childhood was basically that of my friend's uh, with two light guns just going around and just basically playing that game over and over and over. So it's just a nostalgia factor. But um, yeah, it's similar to what you guys said. So uh, one of the re- one of the ways I actually got my girlfriend into Dreamcast was by yeah. uh, by showing her typing of the dead. And yeah. she was obsessed with it. Um, and then we went to uh, play Expo Blackpool last year, Mike, and obviously you and you, you and Tom was there. Yeah. And she, yeah. she saw it there, and then I lost her for about three hours to it there. <laughs> and then and then since like uh, we've come home, and she's took the Dreamcast to hers a few times, and she's took Type of the Dead. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's one of those games where anyone can jump on it, and you don't really, you, you know, the House of the Dead storyline is, is one thing, but just just the fact that you're playing it by typing, any, you know, anyone who can who can type a keyboard can immediately jump on and be as good as anyone else. It's fantastic. Yeah. What okay. game? What about you, Andrew? Um, Typing of the Dead is one that I've always wanted to play. It's just I've never had the opportunity to. I missed out on Dreamcast, um, and then I think it came out on Steam, and then I think it. I think I don't know if it's come out on anything else, but yeah, I just ended up like I think when it came out on Steam, it was just about was one of my PC at the time was dying, so there was absolutely no point in me getting it. So I've just missed out on it. I've never played it. So but i have played house of the dead 2 um i think i got it at the time with the when it came in the big box with the official light gun mm. um which was awesome this huge box that you get from the shop it was like I don't, it, was, it was huge but it had the the full house of the dead 2 cover on the on the on the front of it and the, yeah. the slip case that came in yeah. um that was pretty cool but that i think and i got like a third party light gun and me and my friend would just play it for for hours. Um, no good at it. Terrible at it. I'm terrible at light gun games. Um, <laughs> but but I but I love I loved the fact that you could you know you could play this um, arcade quality um, shooting game in your living room or in your bedroom wherever you had your Dreamcast. And it was. I mean, fair enough. Anybody anybody who's ever played it knows how terrible the voice acting is. How it's amazing. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those it's so bad it's good, isn't it? Yeah, like, like, you, you have to laugh at it. It just totally adds to it, doesn't it? Like just how horrendously bad it is. I love it. Like the 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 the, the big baddie in it is just like I am Goldman. Ha 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 ha. Like, he's like, <laughs> not a very intimidating uh, antagonist at all. It's with a complete. That voice it's a complete B movie, isn't it? It's, good. it's just like just like Illbleed, complete. Yeah. I think what makes Typing of the Dead even weirder as well is that you go around with the keyboard strapped with the Dreamcast strapped to your back yes. and yes. a keyboard in wow. front of you. It just it just it just elevates the game to a level of utter weirdness that is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean. I think that would- 
Oh, go on. Go oh, on. So, sorry, I was just going to say, when you know, that's literally Sega in this period, though, isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah. I, no, that, mm. there, there's no other company that was doing stuff anywhere near as weird as the shit that Sega actually got away with yeah. in that time. It's, <laughs> it's it's awesome. You know, I mean, like we, we, we did lose a bit of Sega, you know, during the yeah. aftermath of going third party when they kind of got rid of a lot of people. And I think, like, they've never quite had the same mentality since. I mean, obviously, they're still fantastic. And they're still my favourite game company of all time. But, yeah, the, that, that era was just insane, wasn't it? I think the, way, the thing is, like, as you say, it is the really weird, weird time. You think of games like Crazy Taxi and Space Channel 5 and, uh, and Type of the Dead, House of the Dead. No one who ever thinks of those games ever has any other reaction than just smiling about the game. It's yeah. one of those... You, you, there's no... I've never known anyone to say, oh, I don't like Crazy Taxi because it's like, you know, I hate it. No one ever says that. Same with Space Channel 5 and same with House of the Dead. You can't hate the game. It's just really... It's just a fun, old-style game. No pretensions of being, you know, a... a, a triple a title like we do nowadays it's just literally go out there shoot zombies with a with a, a gun with the most awful dialogue ever written by a human being and it's just fantastic <laughs> fantastic game yeah it's not just it's not just that the dialogue itself was terrible it's the way that it it, it was yeah. came across yeah. it was when i was um when i was playing um shenmue uh, three earlier one thing that struck me is how and sorry i'm going into slightly into shenmue three and we're not talking about that today but um it, one thing that struck me was that all of the npcs sound like proper voice acted people like it doesn't sound like somebody's taken a tape recorder out into the street and asked some random person to read a line um, and uh, like in, in the original ones and that's exactly how house of the dead 2 was as well it, it felt yeah. like they just pulled in a random person off the street and go please read this doesn't matter if you can act just read it um and and that's i think that's a sign of the times as much as anything is that i don't think they cared at the time the japanese no. game studios were like fuck it we just we want a, an, an english voice actor let's just pull anybody off the streets it doesn't yeah. matter what what they sound like yeah well, i think I mean, we i think the thing as well is that is sega knew sega knew how bad it was when they released overkill on the wii mm. um which is an absolutely fantastic game which also got turned into a the type in i think i don't know what it's called type in the overkill or, that was not white but they turned that into a type in version as well um that was just so that was deliberately done like a sort of quentin Tarantino film where it was it's mm-hmm. overly swearing and deliberately done because they knew exactly what fans loved by house of dead it was just this um even though it was, as you said, Japanese company just wanted to have a voice actor, didn't really care who it was on there, and the translation wasn't really the most important thing. Um, people love it because of that, and if you if you look back at that kind of period of gaming, something like House of the Dead is just that really weird. I, I just I, I can't I can't talk about. I love House of the Dead too. Although I said Type of the Dead was my favorite game of all time, House of the Dead is also a fantastic game, and it's House of the yeah. Dead three as well, and House of the Dead one while we're here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I mean, in terms of kind of voiceover actors, like even um, I mean, Corey Marshall, obviously fantastic, who did yeah. um, mm. Rio in Shenmue. But I mean, even that was quite wooden as a delivery. Um, and uh, I mean, he, he says on one of the old uh, Dream Pods actually about like, that, you know, that that's kind of what they asked him to do. You know, like, they asked yeah. him to kind of tone it down and be kind of a little bit more like almost like you know like the Japanese culture is a little bit more kind of calm and um, that kind of mm. thing. So you know, rather than reacting, obviously not like, as as kind of what I wasn't like doing, kind of scream and shout about something. It's kind of, hmm, I see. And all that stuff, it's kind of like, yeah. oh, that was just the thing, was it? It's, it's kind of looking back, it's really odd. I think cool. I think, uh, I think, think Sega just had like a cage of bad voice actors and they just put <laughs> on them. I, I mean, has anyone ever played Confidential Mission? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Imagine like a guy doing a really awful impression of James Bond. It is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. kind of going off topic, but yeah, if you haven't played or seen that awful voice acting in Confidential Mission, just check it out on YouTube. It is a treat. Yeah, Mike, great, ga- great game as well. Great game. Yeah, great game. Yeah, great game. Uh, Mike, you were going to say something. I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, not really. 
<laughs> Put me on the spot now, I can't what I was going to say. Um, my mind goes that fast. But no, I, I think, well, we'll say the Japanese voice acting. I don't know what the Japanese voice acting on House of Dead 2 was like. I don't know whether they'd had the English voice acting for the Japanese game or not. But um, obviously a lot of games had much, much better Japanese voice acting. One thing that does annoy me a little bit is when people sort of say that Shenmue is an awful game because of the voice acting. The Japanese voice acting is really, really good. Uh, you can understand Japanese. So I'm told. But um, it's it's... House of Dead 2, I think, was deliberately done. I, I imagine even the original was deliberately done to be that sort of B-movie, um, slightly weird game, because it's memorable. You know what I mean? You would, we, would we be talking about House of the Dead 2 um, quite so much if it wasn't so weird, if it was just a straight-ahead shooter? We wouldn't True. be. Who yeah, talks about Call of Duty Remission? Call of Duty Remission, in my opinion, is a better game than House of the Dead 2. It's a better shoot, light gun shooter, but actually, no one talks about it, because, well, why would you? It's not. It's just a normal such a generic sort of thing. How said that too yeah. is weird. I think um, I once got into this big debate um, on like the Dreamcast Junkyard um, Facebook group, and the guy That's actually got idea. like, yeah, the guy got really heated. I wasn't even like being <laughs> like attacking him or anything. I just kind of thought I was like, oh, you know, like House of the Dead, like. Man, there that's some bad voice acting. He was like, "Oh, don't you know that it's supposed to sound like a B movie?" And I'm like, "Well, at the time, maybe I've I've kind of more warmed to the idea that maybe it wasn't on purpose." But at the time, I remember being like, "Yeah, but like, why? You know, why would they do that? Like, because no one other than the B movie fans would get it." And we had this big debate, and he got really angry at me, and I think that was that. But yeah, so I think I I kind of now I'm sort of getting a little bit older i'm kind of starting to think yeah maybe it was it was intentional like how can you be that bad unintentionally <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um okay well those are the top five and we do have a few others and we could do a little bit of a quick fire thing go through them dead quick okay. you know um so other games this one got quite a few votes um, Blue Stinger. So we've talked about Ill Bleed. It's, I think it's the same studio, yeah. same guy behind it. Um, what can we say about Blue Stinger? <laughs> uh, I, 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 I don't think it's aged fantastic um, as a game. I mean, I, I, I did like it back in the day. Um, I've not played it for so long, but yeah, I mean, I can definitely see why it's on there. It's okay. it's not it's not my favourite. I got last time we last time we moaned about Blue Stinger, we had hate mail. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm very I'm very adverse. I've, I've had hate mail from from Shenmue fans because I, I you know even though I love Shenmue and I've also had hate, uh, hate mail from Blue Stinger fans. I don't know why. Has seems to have. I think everyone played it because it was one of the few games that was different when if Dreamcast first came out. So I think everyone has a nostalgia about it. But it isn't really that great a game. The Japanese version is worse. Because they, oh, they reworked okay. it, they reworked it for the for the Western release. Um, it's, the cameras all over the place. Japanese. Mm. Okay, because I've I've heard this debate about the Japanese version versus the Western release. I believe the music is the music different, or am I just possibly, possibly? Yeah, I feel like maybe the Japanese version has like really ridiculous orchestrated soundtrack. Is that I don't know. <laughs> I think possibly sounds right because that's the kind of thing which. Um, I think Blue Stinger was known for sort of being slightly ambitious, let's say. Okay. Well, awful, awful opening movie as well. The opening movie of that game is one of the worst opening movies. Mm. <laughs> so ludicrous. Mm. Yeah, movie. I mean, like, that's that's kind of one one of the things where I'm, uh, you know, that I meant by it's not aged well because you kind of watch that and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I feel like maybe Illbleed had the better balance of tackiness yes. and uh, you know good gameplay perhaps. Um, we're not going to say too much. We don't want Mike to get hate mail again, <laughs> or, or any of us for that matter. So we don't want to. <laughs> we don't, don't want to be guilty by association. <laughs> so um, okay. So next up, we're going back to Resident Evil. We've got Resident Evil Two. This is a game that's recently been remade. How do we feel about going back to the Dreamcast version, considering the new remake has been hailed as amazing by everyone? Mm. I don't think that means that the old version is any less good. I think it's it's its own it's its own thing, and especially if you played it back in the day, it's always going to have that nostalgia for you. That playing playing the original version because um, they did a lot different with with the with the remake. Um, it's it's kind of like. It's it's very similar to when they remade Resident Evil One and they changed quite a lot of it and so actually it became a game of its own and fair enough the the, the remake of the first game it, it makes the original the you know the original Resident Evil kind of fade into the background quite significantly in in comparison and you know nobody wants to play the original Resident Evil anymore that's why you don't get that port anywhere um, apart from the PlayStation Classic um, that nobody bought um, and I don't but the thing is they still have their places like I would still like to play Resident Evil Director's Cut every every now and again just to remember how how that was that's you know that's the game that got me into resident evil um and the same is true for resident evil 2 for me i would i'd still go back and play that and the dreamcast version is arguably one of the better i think probably that and the gamecube version which i think the gamecube version was based on the dreamcast version mm. um so i think that those two versions are the best that you can get um uh, yeah and, it, and it's just a great a great game expensive now to buy on the dreamcast same with resident evil 3 um you'd be lucky to find it for under 50 quid i think but um yeah worthwhile still uh, what, what about you mark if, are you a fan of resident evil 2 yeah massively yeah so um you know i think i mentioned before it's, it's definitely one of my favorite favorite horror games just generally uh so i i, I didn't have the dreamcast version originally you know kind of like when i had uh, when, when i actually had a dreamcast and that's purely because i, I still had the game on ps uh, ps1 at the time but i've since i've since bought it and played it in the last couple of years and you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great game you know i mean but i think we all know that resident evil 2 is probably you know just just generally seen as one of the best horror games of all time just anyway which is kind of mm. you know t- testament to how well the the remake's gone over recently uh, yeah so absolutely no arguments i think you know d- d- definitely probably had a shot of being in my top five certainly um i think i would have been a lot higher just you know in my personal poll but yeah it's a fantastic game no 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 arguments from me whatsoever uh, mike you mentioned you weren't you know the biggest resident evil fan what do you think of resident evil 2 I, I don't like I don't like the the way the Resident Evil games the first two play. Right. Uh, but in actual as a horror game, uh, it's a proper the the bit where you walk through the the way bit of the game for police station that it goes past the window um, lives in my memory from from many years ago. I actually had it. I actually bought a PS on a PC game when I actually bought a PS One. Uh, me and my brother bought a PS One to to play this game, and we took it back the next day. Um, because it was such a, a jump down from a, a, being a PC gamer to playing the PS1. Um, uh, so in my mind, Resident Evil 2 sort of slightly uh, tarred by that by that brush. But it's it's a it's a great game. Going back now and playing, I've played it in the last few years. It's a good game, but it's for me, it's just a bit. It, if you weren't into it at the time, it's difficult to now get into it. Okay. Well. Uh, we've got a few more. We can just uh, skip over these pretty quick. Um, Alone yep. in the Dark, The New Nightmare. Great game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great game. 
Yeah. Great game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, any quick fire sentences for Alone in the Dark? <laughs> really good lighting effects. Mm. Reminds yeah. me a little bit of Luigi's Mansion 3, which I'm playing at the current time. They're really, really cool for the hardware it's on. The, the lighting effects are really, really good. Mm. Okay, nice. Yeah. So next up, um, we've got kind of not really a survival horror game, just kind of a, a creepy game, you know, um, Shadow Man. Um, what do we think of Shadow Man? Yeah, I, I um, so I, I, I remember this kind of back in the day. So I, I didn't have it, but my, uh, my cousin who lived like five doors down had it, and uh, we played it. And yeah, that was one of the ones that I, but like I say, creepy is very much the word with that one. Um, yeah, that was, um, yeah, I remember that really, really vividly because it's, um, yeah, it was one of those games where I was like, oh, I, it's, it's cool, and, and there's a lot going on, but it's, I, I really like the kind of atmosphere that they built around it. I think it was, I thought it was pretty cool. Okay, uh, Mike, what do you think of Shadow Man? Yeah, cool game. I've had on had on the PC one release. Still got the big box version. Um, yeah, really good. It's, it's a it's it's not anything pretty special, but yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah it's it's quite um, yeah, it's it's memorable at least. I think yeah. I always loved the uh, the front cover of it. Always stood out to me. Like I think I saw an advert on the back of a magazine like years ago when it came out. And I was thinking that's a cool looking game. What about you, Andrew? You play Shadow Man. Uh, I, I vaguely remember it, so it was okay, but I don't remember it well enough to have a huge opinion of it. Yeah, um, yeah it was all right. Okay, well, I remember saying that it came out on the N64 as well. Am I right? Okay, well, there's one here that I believe, Andrew, you do you are a fan of, and that is Carrier. What can you tell us about Carrier? Ooh, um, I am a fan of it, but weirdly, I never got to play very much of it, because if I remember yeah. rightly... Um, it, were, it came out in the UK, but it was really limited. Um, and I, I can't remember how I managed to play it. I don't think I ever had my own copy, um, but I managed to play it somehow. And now trying to find a, a UK copy, at least a PAL copy, is you can find them, but you'd be paying a lot for them. But in terms of the actual game itself, so that's it's a, it's a game that takes place um, on an aircraft carrier and you're called in and you basically something's gone wrong. Um, so it's a 3D game. It's very much in. Uh, it's kind of like in a Code Veronica vein in terms yeah. of the graphics. But then it's. I think I remember a lot of fixed camera angles in it, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, and lots of horrific monsters that you have to fight. It's very dark. I remember it being very dark. And it, it kind of came across to me. It was like a, a mixture of Code Veronica, a little bit of Dino Crisis, which probably should mention as well because that's an, an awesome port on the Dreamcast yeah. of Dino Crisis. And um, but yeah, it had that kind of kind of clinical scientific research facility feel because it was this, you know this mechanical aircraft carrier thingy. But anyway, yeah, it was it, it, it was a good game from what I from what I played of it. Um, and it, I think we, I spoke about it recently on on another podcast I was on. Um, it gave me I haven't played this game either, but I've seen a lot of it. It gave me fe- feelings of deep fear from the Saturn. Yeah, yeah. Very much like that. It was like it was almost like a spiritual successor to it in a lot of ways. I think in terms of the location and and the type of horror game it was, um, it was just a very it was a very I was going to say it's a very unique horror game. It was it was actually quite a a, deri- a a derivative horror game, but for the but for the Dreamcast it was there wasn't very many other horror games like it, um, and I think it probably deserved a little bit more love than it got. Okay, what about you guys? What do you think of Carrier? Um, I've never played it at all, uh, and I thought I owned it. I've just had a quick look o- uh, across the the shelves there, and I actually don't own it at all. So I, I've 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 seen bits, and I've I've seen kind of online stuff. But I, I can't say I've got much of an opinion of it really, but I'll obviously I'll certainly take your kind of just take your word for it. <laughs> 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 I was convinced I owned that, but it's not here, so I'm, I'm assuming I don't. 
Right, Mike, what do you think of Carrier? Yes, uh, uh, again, I've got a slight problem with fixed sort of perspective games, so mm-hmm. it's not going to be my highest on my list. But yeah, so, so why it does what it does, a bit like Dino Crisis, it's sort of, it's, it's uh, you, you play it and sort of think, oh, it's like Resident Evil. That's, okay. why, that's why I play it anyway. <laughs> right, um, kind of, we all very much loved House of the Dead. We liked yes. Typing of the Dead very much. Yeah. What do we think of Zombie Revenge, which is Great. a House of the Dead spin-off? Great game. It mixes, yeah. it mixes two of the best games on Dreamcast. It mixes House of the Dead and it mixes Dynamite Cop. Um, and it's just, it's a really good uh, beat-em-up, which was a genre which, which really should have done more on the Dreamcast. It's just a really good, it's not the most sophisticated game in the world. It's not the most um, advanced game in the world, but it's just good fun. Yeah, I, um, I picked this one up from Japan because the PAL copy is a little bit climbing in price. Mm-hmm. Um if you have no gripes of you know having the Japanese copy, it's all in English. All the text is in English. Yep. Like, I yeah. So I was very. I think I just got it just because it. I thought this will be a game I can play without knowing Japanese, and then just discovered that it's all in English anyway. So yeah, you know, win-win. So yeah, I really love it. I think the Dreamcast is a fantastic console for couch party co-op games. Yeah. This is one of them. This is a great one. Just press start and you're there playing with your friends. So, yeah, it's uh, like you say, it's like Dynamite Cop, another fantastic game. Um, and it mixes the campiness of House of the Dead, the terrible voice acting. It's perfect. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's a cool game. What about you guys? Mark, have you played Zombie Revenge? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is one I, I, I loved and actually own myself. And yeah, this is, uh, like you say, very, very similar to House of the Dead, House of the Dead in terms of some of the gameplay obviously I mean it's not an on-rail shooter but you can kind of you can, you can see the similarities very much so uh, yeah I, I absolutely love this as a, as, as a kid and it's one it's one I actually do pull off the shelf every now and then it's like, I, I, I still go back to it and play it now yep. what about you Andrew Zombie Revenge what do you think um, it's it's one that I never played. I don't own it, and as you said, it's very expensive to buy now. But now you've mentioned that the Japanese version is is completely playable as an, in English. Then I think I'm going to get it. I mean, I've I've looked at it doing research for the book. Um, you know, I was looking at games like Dynamite Cop and obviously Zombie and House of Dead Two, and obviously you know Zombies Revenge came up. Zombie Revenge. Um, I really want to play it. It looks it looks great. It looks campy and fun, and yep. uh, it just it just looks great. Um, and I and I wish. I've, I, I wish I'd already played it, but I haven't. So I'm, I'm going to go find a Japanese copy, I think. You'll love it, yeah. mate. It is really good. <laughs> Excited. Uh, um, okay, so we discussed this a uh, little bit. Dino Crisis. I've never played this one. What do you guys think of Dino Crisis? Yeah. What do you think specifically of the Dreamcast port? Port's, port's all right. I think, I think from what I remember, the port's all right. It's, uh, as Andrew said, I think it's it's a, a decent port. The PC, I think it's port of the PC version, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great port. I mean, it's the it's the. I mean, obviously, if you have the PC and uh, you know you speaking about PC gaming earlier, Mike, and how it's it's generally better because you know better graphics and stuff like that. Yeah. So if you've got the PC version, great, fantastic. But I think it's fairly. I don't think it's easy to get hold of now. Um, so if no, you if you play no. consoles, um, the Dreamcast version is the best version to get. It's it, it's just it just looks good. It's very you know it 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 really benefits from the Dreamcasts 
uh, clearness, the clarity of the images that Dreamcast had as opposed to the PS1. You know, the PS1 was quite murky and, and muddy in terms of textures and stuff like that. And when it, they ported it to the Dreamcast, all of a sudden it was like, you know, it was like a night and day um, for me anyway. Um, but it's a fantastic game. And uh, you were saying, Mike, it's, it was like, it's basically just, you know, it's Resident Evil with dinosaurs kind yes. of. Yeah. <laughs> But I've, yeah, I've, had this, <laughs> I've had this conversation. I think I again another podcast, uh, another time. It's it's so much it's so much more than that. Like I bought this game thinking it was Resident Evil with dinosaurs. Took it home. This you know however old I was, like sixteen at the time, and I spent my own like part time job money on it. And I was gutted because it was nothing like Resident Evil with dinosaurs. It was a completely <laughs> different game. And I nearly took it back. I was that I was that like. Um, angry about the fact that it wasn't what it was advertised to be but I, I it was kind of like five six o'clock in the evening the shop had shut so i was like oh fuck it i'll give it another i'll give it another try yeah. and i did and it, and i and i and i loved it because it because it is different there's there's so much difference to it and it's much more to do with the suspense and the tension yeah. than it is about the you know the, the jump scares of the horror and i think that's what sets it apart from from other games in that genre and, and that's what sets it apart from resident evil as well yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I so I first played it on PS One, um, and then I think I I owned it on PS One, but then played it at my friend's house, like I said, a few doors down, who uh, who who had it on Dreamcast, and yeah, it was like you say, it's kind of night and day in terms of the the graphics. It's, it's I mean, you can say this about a lot of the kind of games of that era that were then ported to the Dreamcast. Like I said, mm. like I said earlier, it's just kind of everything's just turned turned up to eleven. That's that's the best way I can describe it. It's you know, mm, the yeah. games, the same game, just just better, pretty much. Yeah. Okay, well, I think just for time, might just skip over to the the joke vote. So some people <laughs> did vote. Uh, before before you go on very, very quickly, I must mention Desperia, Japanese-only oh, yes. horror game. Yeah. Uh, Dreamcast Collector uh, uh, does a blog, uh, follower of our website, been uh, helping with the HZ guide as well. He's a massive, massive fan of this game. I have to say that I, have, I couldn't really get into it because you need to have knowledge of Japanese, and I do not have knowledge of Japanese. It is one of the weirdest and trippiest games I've, I've played. It's, 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 it's trippier than, than Ill Bleed. It's, it's really bizarre. Um, but it's meant to be really, really good, really mm. good reviews. Um, if you do know Japanese, I think you probably know about it already. Um, there are guides online. They're not the best guides in the world, as we said. Um, but it's definitely worth checking out if you're into really weird horror games. Yeah, I um, I actually looked it up because I was looking at horror games on the Dreamcast when I made the poll. Yeah. And I looked that game up and I just watched like a clip of it on YouTube. Yeah. And I just thought, it's not even like the insanity of Gilbleed. It's like really unsettlingly mm. strange. Like yep. it, it, it has that kind of like japanese horror like the ring exactly or the grudge exactly. or something and i think that's what makes yeah. it really kind of alien and you, you, you know different the yeah. yeah you've hit nailed the head player, yeah exact reason because it's 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 a completely for people in the west it's a it's a different cultural thing and so we we have no sort of relevance to other things it, it's it makes it really really weird but i know a lot of people who live in japan um who are from from the west they love the game, so I think it's something which definitely, if you're in, if you're learning Japanese, you're getting into Japanese gaming, I definitely pick up. Yeah, I think that uh, we should raise more awareness for it because it would be a quite an interesting game to get a translation of. So, community, yeah. if you're hearing this, <laughs> yeah. um, just want to comment on the fact that Resident Evil Three Nemesis got a total of two votes. So, well, good. yeah, I don't get that. That's... <laughs> Did you say good there, Mike? I did. Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I just want to ask, actually, I, I, this was something I should have said a little bit earlier. What did everyone vote for? And if you didn't vote, if you didn't, if you missed the poll, 
just pretend you did vote so we don't <laughs> pick, any, pick on anyone here so mike what did you vote for in the poll I, i'm pretty sure i voted for ill bleed even though Token of the Dead is a, is a better game for me, Illbleed is the best horror game. I think the best horror game I've probably ever played in terms of just uh, of what I love about horror, the B-movie side. Um, what about you, Mark? What would you have voted for, did you vote for? Uh, so, House of the Dead for me. Uh, even though I think um, Resident Evil Code Relic is a better game overall, but just in terms of my nostalgia and kind of what I've loved that's kind of within, in and around the genre, de- definitely uh, House of the Dead for me. Okay, what about you, Andrew? What was your choice on this list? I'm pretty sure I voted for Code Veronica for obvious reasons, the fact yeah. that it brought me to the Dreamcast, but I think D2 would have been... I think I think I was a bit torn, because that is, to me, possibly the better example on, on the system. Um, but yeah, Code Veronica, for sure. I uh, personally voted for D2. I didn't... I mean, I expected it to get votes, but I kind of thought I'd help it a little, because I really did want to talk about it, as you probably can see from the amount yeah. of blabbering i did about it so um we did have a little bit on the end which was like a other section and you could type your own answer and i'm just going to read out some of the ones we got i bet i know at least one okay go for it mike I, i'm hoping at least someone who follows dreamcast junk card has voted for spirit of speed yes there was, <laughs> one, there was of course one vote for spirit of speed and to be fair it's from nice tom charnock yeah. <laughs> maybe you know i'm not sure um we also got a vote for seaman as well which that is, is terrifying kind yeah. of creepy mm, yeah. yeah i um yeah we tweeted out a picture earlier kind of you know to advertise our recording of this uh, podcast tonight and we snuck seaman in the corner just for a, a visual gag <laughs> and i'm hoping everyone understood the joke and didn't just be like why have they put seaman on there they don't know what they're talking about i think, so, I think, yeah. we, had to, I think we had someone follows <laughs> damn right um there's also one someone voted for and i can't look it up it looked quite interesting it's a mod of half-life for the dreamcast paranoia uh they hunger trilogy. oh yeah yeah excellent yeah it's okay piece, i've never piece. never heard of this before so all, all of the half-life pc mods um or a lot of them have been converted so you can use them on dreamcast um download them and play them. I've got a few. Paranoia is another really good horror style one. But yeah, They Hunger is a fantastic game. Yeah, a lot of the drink, a lot of the Half-Life mods in the PC community was really, really good. Um, right the way up to Half-Life 2 came out. Um, yeah. And th- you can get them on Dreamcast. They play really, really well. Um, I've played all the way through Paranoia on Dreamcast. Uh, Paranoia, I think Paranoia is a Russian uh, mod- uh, made game. Um, you've got They Hunger. You've got uh, a couple of others as well. A couple of other non-horror ones. But definitely if, you, if you're into getting some downloadable titles for Dreamcast, get some Half-Life mods, they're fantastic. Nice. And just uh, quickly to finish off, is there any Dreamcast horror game that's not been mentioned today that you want to plug? Mike, you had Disperia. Is there any others you want to mention? Uh, Nightmare Creatures 2. Ah, yes. I realise we put that on the list and I accidentally skipped over it. What do you want to say about Nightmare Creatures 2? It's crap. Okay. (laughs) So... yeah, you just want to dunk on it, basically. No, no, no. It's it's not it's not crap enough to be bad. It's just it's okay. just really really average. It's it's really it looks quite poor. A bit of clipping. It's very very dark. Um, it's not as good as the first game was on on the on the PlayStation. Um, if anyone's really interested in a really sort of in depth review of it, Hardcore Gaming One Hundred One do a really really good in depth review. Um, it's also in their horror uh, game book that they released. But really, really good review of it. It's 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 an okay game in bits, but it's just one of those games where you just think, mm, it's a PS1 game. Shouldn't really be on Dreamcast. 
Okay, any others that you guys want to mention, Mark, Andrew? Yeah, well, I, I kind of did a bit of a, a jokey Halloween horror special and uh, I put South Park Rally in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that game, uh, yeah. my God, I mean, everything should work on paper. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a kart race of my one of my favourite genres with South Park. One of, one of my favourite shows. How did they mess that up so much? I don't understand. Yeah. I just don't understand how, how how is it possible? Like, who sat down and managed to balls that up? It's 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 almost incredible. But yeah, yeah, that's uh, like that'll be on there for me. What about you, Andrew? Any others that we haven't mentioned? Um, I think one that always comes to mind when we talk about horror games for the Dreamcast is the Ring Terrors Realm. <laughs> Um, which looks, I mean, I've never played it. I'm a huge fan of um, the Ring movies, both the Japanese and the American ones, but the game kind of passed me by and I've, I've only found out about it later. But it looks, it's like a Resident Evil style game, but apparently like just look, looking at Wikipedia about it, the best quote that I've the best the best quote I found about it on Wikipedia was a pretty depressing homage to the Ring. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> apparently so it's, it's terrible. Right. Yeah. This was one that I would have mentioned myself, actually. Um, ah. Coincidentally, I'm actually seeing The Ring tomorrow. They're doing a showing of the Japanese version at a oh, cinema nice. near me, oh, so that's pretty cool. Awesome. Um, so uh, if you want to know more about The Ring Terror's Realm, there is a YouTuber who I used to be a big fan of back in the East, kind of stopped making videos these days, but he's called Spoonie, and he had... A review of this game and it's it's an absolutely fantastic review you need to watch it like the voice acting the <laughs> scripting is dreadful and it's kind of like what mike said you know that the japanese horror is fat you know it's a really great terrifying basis for a game mm. and they took the ring and they <laughs> screwed it up so badly <laughs> it, 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 the game playing with the ring made me feel like if you if you were playing shenmue without any other fun parts and just doing the job bits wow because it's just literally it's, it's like working in an office i remember playing the ring and just feeling like i've had to work an entire day in an office i don't know why yeah. it's, it's set in an office i've not made a, a random thing but it's just so boring it's it's i love the ring and this is just oh it's such a boring game um <laughs> there's just like one bit in the the review that spoonie does where she come, at the beginning she comes home to find her like boyfriend <laughs> is dead and he's been like, hauled away into a hospital you know to the morgue and like she starts she breaks down starts crying and this cop just says it was really like like wooden voice you okay lady like this and yeah. it's just the worst thing you've ever heard she's there breaking down and he just sat doesn't doesn't sound like he gives a shit, you know. And has and has no relevance to the ring either. I think we need to put this out. It, yeah. has, it really does have no relevance to the actual plot of the film. It's like yeah. a computer program or something. Yeah, it's a computer program. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Oh, isn't it based on like one of because the guy the guy who wrote the ring the book he, that wasn't there some one of it, one of his later books was to do with a computer program. I think maybe it was based on that rather than the films. I think possibly Perhaps. yeah. Cause I think I think. I think there was different forms of medium that he wrote, didn't he? About yeah. Or like one was TV, one was. I think I think it is to do that, but I think that isn't explained very well in the extre right. extremely poorly <laughs> written story that's in the God. game. This was uh, one that Tom actually was selling when I bought Ill Bleed, and I 
I kind of wondered just to have it for the laughs, but I think that's just, I, in the end, I was like, nah, <laughs> you can keep that one. Um, if, if Tom still has it, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I want to see how bad this is. <laughs> I, I want to say, Tom. like, Kev bought it, but I don't know. No, I, I think actually, because I was with Tom when he sold his games in Bristol, and I, I'm pretty sure there was one guy who bought loads of American games from him, and um, he was talking to me about the ring. I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was this one. Um, and I had to tell him it was terrible. He, he wasn't interested. He still bought it. Uh, i'll say maybe like it looks okay like it's not a bad looking game that's the only thing i can really say like that's it it's terrible (laughs) i'm glad we got to discuss this (laughs) um all right well i feel like we have covered pretty much the best and the worst games horror games on the dreamcast um so Thank you for coming on, guys. Thank you for putting time aside from Shenmue 3 um, <laughs> to come on here. It's been a lot of fun. Um, let's just go around and find out where we can find everyone on the internet. Mike, where can we find you? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at uh, space underscore turnip. I've also got a, uh, a little account which posts pictures of my collection. Um, because I'm bored most of the time, which is at Dreamcast Picks. That's P-I-C-S. Um, and also I'm on the Facebook group, and I'm 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 sometimes take control of the Dreamcast Junkyard uh, Twitter feed to to do random things. Okay, um, Mark, where can we find you? Yeah, so I have a, uh, a YouTube channel called Maz Gaming, which is M-A-Z Gaming. Uh, so there is a lot of Dreamcast stuff on there. There's a lot of Dreamcast stuff coming up on there as well. So please do head over and subscribe, obviously, if you're into that stuff, which I'm assuming you are, if you bother into listening to this. Um, and also, um, it's, it's just at Maz Gaming UK on Twitter as well. Okay. Um, and Andrew, yourself? Uh, me, uh, a few places you can find me. Um, at Oddment84 on Twitter, which is where you'll find things about the book. Um, I post updates every now and again on there. Um, you can also find me at Dreamcast Years, uh, which is the website I set up, kind of inspired by the book. Um, and we run a podcast as well, uh, the Dreamcast Years podcast, um, which has a few episodes out now. Uh, we talk about the golden years of gaming. And then finally, you can also find me at The Switch Island, uh, where I talk about Switch things, because uh, the Switch is awesome. It is indeed. <laughs> um, really trying to get one at some point. I need to play the new Pokemon game, despite what everyone says. Um, I'll take your word for it. Um, <laughs> right, so you can find me on Twitter, at LewisJFC. Um, you can find me on the Junkyard as well. Um, I do want to get back into writing on there. Um, I've not written on there for a while, um, but I am kind of thinking about doing a review of the entire Power Stone anime series because there is one, yeah. 26 episodes. Yeah. Kind of want to watch it, and I thought, why don't I watch it so the others don't have to? <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I also have a kind of geek culture website called Alt Mag, um, that's Alt, A L T M A G U K dot net. That's the URL for that. It's talking about anime and games and stuff. Um, yeah, so as for the junkyard, you can tweet us at the DC Junkyard. Uh, we also have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Uh, just search that. Just search Dreamcast Junkyard on Facebook. You'll find us. So tell us which of these games were your favourite if you didn't have a chance to vote in the poll. And thank you for tuning in. So. Mike, say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. And Mark, 
See you later. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, see you later. Andrew. Cheerio. Cheerio. So, <laughs> thanks for listening. See you later, everyone. No! No, I can't believe it's Robert. No. You okay, lady? Meg, Meg, what's going on over there? Like, hey, ma'am, what's happening here? Now, hold on a moment, sir. I know the two of them. They're friends. What happened? Uh, I don't believe this. I 